0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to destroying self-limitations. In today's episode of the show, we're going to be discussing stem cell therapy treatments, supercomputing, and physical fitness and how it applies into your work life as well as your personal life. I'm going to be joined by Eric Scott today. He is a new friend of mine. We met a couple weeks ago, and he has quite the journey to be sharing with you guys He is a very intelligent man working on the world's largest supercomputers. Um, He's very good at science and mathematics, trying to create this entire aspect of supercomputing in the new world. Um, For all those who don't know what supercomputing is, he's going to be diving into that a little bit more in today's episode. How it relates to some of our lives, some of the biggest companies that use supercomputing for their different aspects, and how supercomputing is also changing AI, how AI is running off of it, and what that actually means for our personal lives. Eric is a super intelligent man. He's going to be talking also about his stem cell therapy treatment after some injuries he caused after working out and just some of his life balances as he is a newlywed and a father. So guys, you're not going to want to miss today's episode. And with that all being said, let's jump into it. Eric, thanks for joining us on the Get Over Yourself podcast today.
1: Brandon, happy to be here and excited to be on the platform talking about my background and uh, adding value to the listeners, potentially with some takeaways.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of takeaways. What I love about your story, Eric, is everything that you're applying inside of your work life is going straight back into your personal life. The two coincide. And who would have thought that working in electronics and managing systems and you know, working on these supercomputers could ever apply back to somebody's normal life? These are concepts way above my pay grade, so you're going to have to educate me and my audience today. But it's going to be super exciting seeing how you use those same systems inside of your work life to transform inside of your personal life. And honestly, that's, that's a huge reason why I wanted to have you on the show today because so many people struggle balancing their work as well as their personal life. They don't always see that it could be intertwined to make kind of an all-encompassing area and aspect inside of their personal life as well. So Eric, uh, before we get full force into the episode, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background so the audience can get to know you.
1: Yeah, certainly. And thanks for pointing out those parallels. You know, I've never actually thought of it like that because I've just been reprogrammed in, in these areas to just, you know, follow processes and procedures and have a daily Routine, right? So, yeah, a little bit about me. I grew up in Southern California. My father was a machinist. My mother was in the beauty industry and also a homemaker. But at a very early age, we're living in the mountains in Southern California, always out hiking, exploring different areas of the mountains, creeks. And um, I learned to snow ski at five years old. So, very early, you know, you just put on skis and kind of pointed down the mountain and told how to get back up the mountain. I race BMX bikes as well, semi-pro kind of leading into that. That's a little bit of context that really just led me into learning about electronics. I was always involved with electronics. My dad had a background, he was an electrical engineer, so at a very early age, I was taking things apart, not necessarily knowing how to put them back together, you know, which is a different, you know, level of Issues is my dad. That's a whole different issue. You yeah, have to figure exactly. out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think between that and learning how to weld, solder, braze, do all these things at a very early age, I was like, you know, I like computers, and what can I do in that realm? So, this led me also into physical fitness, right? Where I, I saw the value of being able to do a hike and not be totally exhausted. You know, as I got older, because at a younger age you're full of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I went down a path of studying systems engineering, which led me into designing supercomputers to solve the world's most challenging science and engineering problems. And along the way, I always kept with the physical fitness, a typical gym environment. I moved into CrossFit, strength and conditioning. I did some rucking events with a company called GoRuck. They were led, uh, these events are led by special, former special operations cadres. You're in a group of 15 to 25 people. You know, you put a heavy rucksack on your back, you carry weight, you do different things, but it it really helps you dive deep inside and understand what's possible because your body will break down before your mind does. If you don't let your mind, you know, stop you, right? and um yeah, that kind of just led me down the path of what do I need to do to stay healthy? And along the lines in corporate America, I always started work early so I could get off early and go do some physical fitness. So I chose to get up before 5 a.m. for the past 20 plus years. So that, that grounded me in a daily routine, right? With the mindset that, you know, I need to get into the office early. I need to, you know, work and develop on these supercomputing systems and be able to leave at a reasonable hour to go do some fitness related activities. So I've been so used to a daily routine that that helped me forge something that was lasting and meaningful for inner work, self-development, right? And, and um, it's been a blessing that I had all of that pre-work that has led to where
0: I'm at now. As you're talking about skiing at such a young age, I'm just picturing skiing is a very humbling sport because like you said, when you're five, you're kind of just going for it. Once you get the ropes, you know, when you're young, they teach you either the pizza or the French fry and you just start zooming down. And I remember when I first started skiing myself, it uh, was very humbling because there would be these five-year-olds totally passing me up. I was thinking, oh my goodness, skiing has got to be the most humbling sport because it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how coordinated or athletic you are. If you don't know the art of skiing to begin with, there's going to be these little kids passing you up the entire time. But also I wanted to point out uh, just in that brief description you just gave us about some of your early life and kind of your framework on how you adjust to life now. Guys, one of the biggest questions that I get on social media and people hitting me up on Instagram, my email, all these places is they like what my guests often have to say, but they make the argument that they don't have time to actually do any of it. And I understand time is the most valuable resource we have here on Earth. As humans, time is our most valuable thing in existence. But it's all about organizing your time strategically so you can get done everything that you want to. Eric recognized that he wanted to both work on these massive supercomputers that is changing engineering, science, math, everything that we know it in today's society. But he also said, I'm going to work on that crazy hard stuff. I'm going to exercise my brain all day but I'm also going to set aside time to make sure I'm exercising my physical fitness, right? Be in shape, go ruck, He's going to do CrossFit, you know, all these different strength training exercises. And I just wanted to point that out specifically because he woke up early to make sure you get all his work work done so he could still leave time to do his physical activities. And you didn't really dive into this, but Eric's also a newlywed, he's a father. And so he had to work on those activities as well. Be present for his family. So, Eric, can you dive into that a little bit? I know sometimes people always make the excuse, I don't have time, I don't have time. But to you, arguably a very difficult job, you're making the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what you have to do in developing these daily processes, right, is reserve time for you, no matter what. You know, in, in corporate America, I made sure I woke up before 5 a.m. because I want 30 minutes to an hour to myself drinking coffee, maybe, you know, looking at various Internet resources. And you know, maybe I'm researching for a trip or studying the next fitness modality that helps me build myself and ground myself. To, as as a foundation, right? Because if you wake out of bed and you're you're swinging for the fences to go, maybe run to the office right away, or you know, run to take care of your family. Where's your work? Where's your time, right? All right? Maybe you're able to set aside time in the evening, or maybe it's a lunch break at work, right? Maybe you're close enough to a fitness facility, or your office has one. But you know, you have to make sure mentally you've got the energy to do the self work right and you know the thought there is work inwards build the best version of yourself and present that person to the world and that's going to benefit not only your daily energy but it's it's going to benefit how people perceive you how you add value in your family how you you know grow in your career how you operate at different levels in in some of these fitness activities some of us may have and You know, if you say, look, I just don't have time. Well, everyone's got the same 24 hours, right? But once you get on the excuse train, it's hard to get off the excuse train because there's always another reason you can't do something. So I would say go for small wins. Maybe a small win is waking up early. Maybe a a small win is doing the afternoon workout for for lunch, right? You know, most employers are going to be okay with you going to do some sort of health and fitness routine during lunch because it helps them, right? They want healthy people, right? Um, And as you get these small wins, you knock down the small walls, each different obstacle is going to be a little higher, but you gain momentum. You gain the confidence to get there right? If you go scale a 20-foot wall at first and you've got no training, you've got no capability to do it, like you're going to go, huh, it's a great reason to have another excuse not to go back and do that again, right? Um, so you got to build confidence. And that starts by just getting started. You know, oftentimes we want to go read these self-help books, listen to podcasts and so forth. You get great insights and information, but you got to go apply it to something, right? Why go learn self-help, self-improvement if you don't have a plan to apply it to something? You need to action. Action what you learn.
0: Obviously, anyone could go listen to this podcast, listen to any other of the podcasts in the self-improvement area. Go read whatever books that are going to encourage you go to, do, to go and do something. But if you don't actually go and do it, there's no point. There's literally no point. So, Eric, uh, while you were talking there, too, it made me uh, think to my brother, actually. And I haven't brought this example up on the podcast yet, but my brother, he, he's kind of like you, Eric, very, very busy. He's got a million things going on inside of his life. And I asked him about this exact topic recently. Um, he's working a corporate job. He's also going to MBA school right now in Chicago. So he lives in Houston currently. And every single weekend, he flies to Chicago just to go to school on the weekend and flies home. He's about to be a dad. You know, he's, he's got a million things he's wrestling with inside of life right now. But what he recognized very early on is it's all about the priorities. He spends the time doing his homework in the evening while he's sitting there next to his wife. And although that might not be the perfect connection, he still recognizes he has to do both. So why can't he do them both together? Priority. He makes sure he always gets his work done for his company because that's his priority right now. He makes sure he wakes up early and goes on a walk so he can still maintain his physical health. Everything in his life is prioritized. He might not be the strongest guy in the world right now because he's not prioritizing his fitness. He's still making sure he's active and whatnot, but he's not, he's not worried about going to the gym for an hour and a half every day. He's not worried about doing X, Y, and Z, but he's worried about making sure his priorities are set straight.
1: Yeah, and that's an example of daily discipline. Right, and that's also an example of having a plan. You know, when when something shifts in the plan for for your brother or even me, when you have a plan, it's easy to make adjustments. Right, maybe you're not going to use a front door now; you use a side door, the garage door, for example. Right, you know, if if you know my daughter's sick, and that just catapults the daily schedule, and maybe you know I need to watch her for a few more hours and do something like I'll push my workout to the evening. Or maybe I'll just jump in and do a bunch of burpees somewhere, right? Right here at the house. Like, you know, it doesn't need to be, if I can't get this done, nothing else happens, right? Um, you know, you make adjustments, but, you know, it's easy to have the capability to build a plan. You know, you just you just have to look down and and, and say, what are my priorities? What are some of the future goals I have? What is it going to take to get there? And, you know, nothing happens fast, right? You got to, you know, chip away at it every day, right? You never know. No one shows up as a pro athlete, right? A lot of those pros right now started out as kids, right? And they just cultivated this capability over decades, right? And um, same with fitness, you know, same with uh, focusing on your career, self development, you know. It, You just need to have a plan that's viable.
0: And I I like the concept of adaptability too. I'm picturing some of these spy shows I watch, uh, some of these like Mission Impossible movies and whatnot. They always have their original plan. And of course it's a movie, so it's always going to go wrong. But then they have the backup plan to make sure it still executes. That's the same in our lives. Like you said, if your daughter's sick, you may not make it to the gym that day. You might have to work from home that day, whatever it is. But you still make sure you're able to get done everything that you need to because you're adaptable in that aspect. So, Eric, I want to jump over a little bit. Obviously, you're huge into physical fitness. You're obviously very intelligent if you're working on supercomputers. I want to hear a little bit about that process, why you chose to start working on supercomputers, what that even looks like. What's your day-to-day?
1: Yeah. You know, I've always been interested in computers. And a long time ago, a friend of mine said, why don't you go to school for this? I was like, well, you know, okay. Um, So, I did, right? I, I went to school to learn, you know, advanced computer technologies and went to work in the oil and gas segment, designing supercomputers to understand where the hydrocarbons are at in the bottom of the earth. Well, you know, I really liked it. And I've been working in, you know, that field for the past 21 years. You know, if you, if you say it a, at a granular level, what is a supercomputer? Like if I was going to explain it to my grandma, I would take my grandma's laptop, connect 20,000 of them together and put them in a big warehouse. Right. So then that way, advanced numerical algorithms can run across these laptops in this particular scenario and, and, and you know, solve some of the world's most challenging problems. So it's really interesting and rewarding to work with top scientists, top engineers across the world. And what supercomputers do, they they design, you know, manufacturing pieces like, you know, airplanes, vehicles, design drugs. They're used in the defense segment and, you know, in oil and gas to bring hydrocarbons to the subsurface or to the surface rather. Um, But I think, you know, that area is, is always evolving. Right now, AI is really blowing up. So AI runs on supercomputers because it takes really fast transactions. So you have to you know, be able to distribute a single problem across a lot of different computers to get the job done fast. Right. So if you said, well, I have this big model I want to run. If you just try to do it on a basic laptop or a workstation, it could take months or years. And in some cases, it probably wouldn't even run because there's not enough Resources in the in the small computer to even do it, so it takes very large distributed systems to do this type of work and you know i I, I look at that as you know how do I take that and and you know form that into an everyday life and you know build on that.
0: And ever since you started working on the supercomputers, what's kind of been your journey throughout it? I'm sure when you first started, it was very confusing to you. I'm sure you had a million questions you had to go towards some mentor. What What's kind of the process been over the past 21 years from where you first started to where you're at now?
1: Yeah, I thought this was way too complicated. I was like, this is this just way <laughs> out there, you know. But what I decided, you know, when I did some of my first interviews to get into the space was... I'm going to dedicate all my time to getting better, right? In one of my first interviews at this particular case of shell oil, I told them, if you've got a problem at 1 or 2 a.m., wake me up, I'll fix it, right? If you need me to go learn a new technology, let me know, I'll go do it. But I also looked ahead, you know, at new technologies to stay evergreen. And, you know, another piece of advice I might give to the listeners around career development, early on, And back in 2006, I I decided to get a part of steering committees, right? Where it's a steering committee that teaches high-performance computing. And I work with some of the top minds in the industry at, at various national labs and places across the United States. And we teach supercomputing, right? But that's always been a value to my employers. Like I'm out on a steering committee developing workshops to help people learn about supercomputing. Right. That's that. So you have to think outside the four walls of your company, right? Workshops and conferences and all that's great. But, you know, if you really want to grow and grow your network, think about, you know, volunteering to get on some sort of steering committee in your field of expertise. It could be finance. It could be, you know, like IEEE for electrical engineering. It could be anything of the sort, right? But, you know, most of these, you're going to work with top minds, you're going to volunteer time. Most companies are, are okay with this nowadays and, and all the places I've worked
0: are. Not very many people these days would tell their corporate job, wake me up at 2 a.m. if you have an issue. That's, And I guess there's an argument to be made on both sides, right? Yeah. A lot of times you gotta, you got to balance your work life and you don't want them controlling everything and you don't want yep. them always honing in over you because like you said, you got to have your balance. But at the same time, I totally appreciate what you're saying because there's no way you're going to learn faster become an expert in your trait than being the one who's always willing to be working, the one who's always committed to growing themselves and for their company. Why did you have that kind of mindset at such an early stage in your career and why would you recommend that for people who are just getting started?
1: Well, I knew in this particular interview that that was the company I wanted to work at. And I was up against some really stiff competition. Like, you know, I don't have a four-year degree. I went to a one-year technical school, which is totally viable but all you need to do is apply what you learn but in this case i you know everyone i was up against had multiple degrees right and and were just phenomenal people and skill sets but what i brought in was i don't care what your problem is i'm going to help you solve it i don't care if it's 2 a.m. and you know you you've got to get these models completed for some sort of big business meeting you know that never happened by the way you know like no one calls at 1 or 2 a.m. everyone else is sleeping Right, if their models crash, they'll know about it when they wake up. For example, right? <laughs> so you know um, what that just shows is your determination and your to to help the company execute the mission, right? And you know these days you're selling yourself as as your capabilities. You know your 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 resume, your degrees, everything, all your credentials speak for themselves. But at the end of the day, they want to hear from you, right? And what you've got to say, what well, you know, what's your thought, mind, mind processes and, you know, how you operate within a team environment. And, um, you know, I asked after I got that particular role, what, what was the deciding factor? And that was it. That was one of them. Right. And then um, just, just knowing more about the company culture and being able to cite, you know, various information about the company culture.
0: And thinking outside the box, like you mentioned, thinking outside the company, but also thinking outside the box is what really landed you that job. I guarantee nobody else in that interview was saying something as witty as that. And take it even farther than just a job interview. Take it for any aspect of your life, whether you're starting your own business or whether you're just trying to put yourself out there a little bit more compared to the average Joe. It's these little thought processes that you exactly went through, Eric, that was able to kind of make you stand out from the rest of the crowd. So if you're one of my listeners out there who's kind of more introverted, doesn't really know a way to kind of stick out for a job, stick out to the girl they're interested in, whatever case it may be. Think about these little aspects, these little fun ideas that can get you outside the box compared to everybody else who's just like you on paper. you know your resume is looking the exact same or maybe in Eric's case there was a lot of people whose resume was looking a little bit better, but he was able to do something that took him outside the box to make him look like the top candidate. so now I want to jump over we've talked all about your supercomputing we've talked a little bit about your fitness journey, but there's there's one key piece of this puzzle in order for everyone to get to know you and get to know your story. You went through an injury fairly recently. And since that injury, you were able to go through a treatment, which I was just doing a lot of research before we hopped on this call. I'm not even going to pretend that I understand it completely. So tell us about your injury and what happened and how you are able to recover.
1: Yeah, I had a pretty extreme low back injury. I was suffering in a in, uh, Really high amount of pain, 2016 through 2021, even into 2022, and you know all of the time. And I, I I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but I've also been training jujitsu the past 12 years. So I'm a brown belt in jujitsu, and you know, working on these various fitness modalities over the past 28 years, I've just put a load on my body, and I've always had sore backs, you know, back aches, and you know. But in the early days, what you're taught about recovery is take a rest day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: take pull back, right? Or if you've got an injury in an area, go work on something else, right? But that's the hardcore, hard set mind, you know. And sometimes as guys, you know, we don't we don't go run into the doctor to figure out what's wrong, right? Especially if you could take a day or two off and maneuver around the pain and it goes away, you kind of just shelf it. And in my case, you know, it got so bad. I couldn't sleep at night. I toss and turn and every time I moved, it felt like a hot iron touching my body, which is a sharp dull pain if you were to kind of visualize it. Uh, But there was also sharp pains where it just was, it, it just felt like I was being stabbed. And, you know, I'd worked with various massage therapists, top chiropractors with the sports medicine background and all of these people I generally seek out I want them to have some sort of physical fitness background, right? Because if I go in and see someone that has a medical background to treat me, but they're not even in shape, like, you know, they're not going to understand what I do, right? First mm-hmm. thing you're going to say is, look, stop. Just stop for a while until we figure this out. Well, okay, why? You know, so I don't even go down that path. I already know kind of what happens. And in this case, I got to a point where the pain was enough. Enough is okay. enough is enough, right? And I was living in Austin, Texas at the time, and I'd known some folks at the strength and conditioning facility called Atomic Athlete that went and visited a wellness center. And I thought, well, that was interesting. And this particular wellness center, uh, Region Wellness, as a matter of fact, they, they focused on stem cells. So I knew they did stem cell treatment. But what I was really interested in is the guy running the clinic was a former Green Beret Special Forces medic. And the Army has like some of the best medic training the SEAL teams send their folks to, to the 18 Delta program. I said, Well, this guy's gonna understand putting a load on your body. He's gonna understand mm-hmm. what jiu-jitsu, he's gonna understand rucking, because rucking is is a foundation of special forces training. You know, you put a load on your back, you carry over a certain amount of miles to to execute, you know, some sort of mission or training. And, you know, we worked on on me, you know, and in early 2021, we did an MRI and found I had three herniated discs, three compressed discs. I had canal stenosis, which it starts seizing your vertebrae together. And then my lower back was, was just deteriorating from arthritis. Well, this is not good news, but at least I kind of know what's going on. And we talked about treatment options. And in the meantime, my chiropractor that also trained at Atomic Athlete, he said, look, have you heard, have you heard about stem cell treatment? Because I'm putting." I'm not a long-term fix for you. That's that was the relevating kind of moment where I said, "Okay, this isn't a long-term fix. It's short-term. I'm paying cash every time I visit. You know, this mm-hmm. is just a bucket of money over one year, right? That could be going towards something else. Same with massage therapy. And these are all great people, right? They're all they all do what they need to in their own respect. But my 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 issue was a little bit beyond what traditional services could do. So the chiropractor said, "Look, there's." This actual podcast with Joe Rogan, Mel Gibson's dad's on there. Mel Gibson sent his dad to the Stem Cell Center in in Panama. Go listen to it. And Dr. Neil Riordan was on that call. He's the doctor that treated Mel Gibson's dad. And that's what led me to dive into stem cell treatment. The various types, the various levels, where it can be fully developed, which is the U.S. is not one of them right? Um, but because I had a real bad back problem, I had to go s- searching for clinics that focused on the back. And where and did that journey take you? It took me to Medellin, Colombia, a place Columbia. called BioAccelerator, right? Okay. And it's owned by a US company out of Arizona, but it's just top notch treatment. And the the... the the country of Colombia has approved stem cell therapy, right? To develop the technology to be a center of excellence for stem cell therapy. And they have an orthopedic surgeon on staff, right? So what I did is I, I seek them out. I went through some treatment options and I said, oh, by the way, because of all these years of fitness and jujitsu, my knees need treatment, my elbow and my shoulder, So before I knew it, Pretty much every
0: big part of your body that's working out. Might as well go all in,
1: right? Because (laughs) the the back was going to be the most expensive component because it needed, you know, the treatment from a a spinal surgeon. You were going to be put under a local anesthesia. Some imagery uh, tools were going to be put above your body. But what we did first was we had a consultation call. They reviewed all of my MRI images and came up with the treatment plan, And it seemed very viable. And, you know, in the meantime, all or most of my friends and family and, you know, U.S. medical professionals, you know, outside of the wellness center were saying, don't do it. It's unproven. No one knows anything about this. You know, the typical skepticism scenario for someone that's not in my shoes. Right. It's like, okay, live live in my shoes for a month, which would be hard because of the pain level. and then tell me you're not going to go look at alternative options in the area of regenerative medicine. Because what I was interested in, what stem cells do every day in our own bodies right now is they run around fixing things, right? Mm -hmm. Your stem cells, that's what they do. And there were options in the U.S. to go get treatment where they pull out your existing stem cells, do some lab treatments, improve them somehow, some way, and put them back in you. But I've heard it's, it's kind of an unpleasant experience. Plus, I don't want 50-year-old stem cells, right? MSC stem cells are from the umbilical cord. So it's, to, it, it's at birth, right? And, you know, it might be controversial to some folks, but, you know, I mean, just think about what happens to the umbilical cord anyhow, you know, in birth, right? You know, it just kind of goes off to the side, right? Um, and then life moves on. And, you know, what the what the stem cell clinic had told me was, I was a very good candidate for stem cell therapy because number one, I had no big injuries, no broken bones. I didn't have surgery in my back. I wasn't opened up and, you know, an attempt to fix me, you know. So this
0: is. You weren't picked cool. and prodded at yet, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And also, too, I wasn't overweight. I wasn't showing up in a wheelchair. You know, basically, I wasn't making their job and the job of the stem cells more difficult, right? Because. Mm-hmm. That's what stem cells do. They go to fix things, right? And in this case, I received my treatment in April of 2022. Phenomenal experience, first class. And, you know, these folks are also treating UFC athletes, pro athletes of all sorts, right? Your everyday executive, your everyday person, even, you know, people like me, you know, you do have to self-pay. You self-funding, you know, there's no insurance for this, but, you know, I, I look at what's my value, What's the ROI I'm going to get on life? You know, if this does work, you know, how's this going to help my career and my everyday
0: family and, you know, um, and just solve resolve the pain. And ever since you went through that treatment, what's it been like? I mean, you did something here in the U S it's not even fully formalized yet. You go to Columbia, you, like you said, you had a great experience, but looking back on it now, tell us about how you feel. Tell us about how the entire operation went.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything. Maybe I've done it sooner. Honestly, there was a lot of pre-work to do. I had to go on an anti-inflammation diet to get rid of chronic inflammation. That's a source from eating various foods. Right? Acute inflammation is from an injury or maybe a workout session, Um, Mm -hmm. but chronic inflammation that had to be gone as much as possible. So I did a three-month diet on anti-inflammation, working with the nutrition from the clinic. And the idea there is. Before you get to the clinic for treatment, you want to get rid of as much chronic inflammation in the body as possible because otherwise the stem cells are going to go treat the inflammation. As soon as they go into the body, they're going to, oh, this inflammation's here, here, there, and let me go work on that versus where the injury is. So that worked well. And then I, you know, I go in day one, I get 100 million stem cells via IV, day one. It's, they're and are they pumping me. this...
0: If you're doing IV, is it going in your arm or is it, where's it traditional, going? Into?
1: Yeah. Traditional IV. Yep. Okay. And you know, day two was going in a hyperbaric chamber. So that's, again, it's prepping your body. It's removing oxygen from the cells and, and stuff like that hmm. to get the cells more healthy. And, um, then I did my knees. My elbow and my shoulder. And, and, you know, when you do those areas, they, they put an imagery device above the injury. They're also looking at the MRI to see exactly where the, Im- the injury is and that the injection goes directly into the injury with the stem cells. So stem cells okay. is, is, is a needle injection, right? Um, and they do all So those- say
0: for instance, when they did your elbow, they're going straight into the elbow for your back yeah. they're going into a specific part on the back, right? I'm just trying to picture this yeah. with you.
1: Yeah, they're putting an imagery device right above my elbow, looking at the MRI and also looking real time at my elbow, determining okay. where's the best place to put the injection, right? Okay. And d- ideally, you want it right where the injury is. You want those stem cells gotcha. to land right where the injury is. In my back, you know, I received 13 total injections. In my back, I got nine. And those wow. were all focused in the in- areas of where my facets had problems, where the canal stenosis was. And stuff like that. So this was a five-day treatment plan. You know, I wasn't stuck there in, in like a hospital bed. I don't want to think like that. In the evenings or in the afternoons and sometimes depend on the schedule, like me and my wife went out and did some touring. We went to a coffee wow. plant. You know, we, we saw various little towns in Medellin. You know, so this to, is uh, like you know, nothing
0: like traditional surgery where you're, you're down for yeah. a few months, like you're, you're feeling it immediately, like you're able to just go.
1: Yep. You do need to do a certain amount of walking and movement, you know, you know, those, those kind of, uh, outdoor, you know, trips are kind of maybe earlier in the week because you, when, anytime you get fluid put into an area in your body that doesn't normally have that fluid, it's going to get tighter, right? So mm-hmm. there is some walking I had to do just to keep things moving, um, You know, uh, my wife and, you know, they kept an eye on me after the back procedure, but it all worked out really well. And I could tell you, I I just felt different even after the IVs of stem cells. And, you know, part of the thing about here in the U.S., sometimes they can't really tell you the quality you're getting of the stem cells or how many you're getting Mm -hmm. in an injection. Like I received 242 million stem cells, new ones, right? And, you know, they were able to tell me the source, give me a printout, everything afterwards, and, you know, I got a really big dosage. And, you know, when I ask questions about what is your upper limit, what do you give people that are coming in, in maybe in a wheelchair, maybe really injured. And at the time, two years ago, it was about 285 million. So if you look at 285 million is the upper side, I'm at 242. That's not that far away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, you know, post-treatment, what I had to do is a lot of physical therapy. Right. And I worked with a physical therapist. And because I had the injections in my knees, elbows, shoulder, and my back, which is the bigger area, we just put together a a physical therapy plan for all areas. So I would just do physical therapy for six months straight. I actually put down the weights because, you know, with my marriage and, you know, my daughter coming in, like what scared me the most was not being able to pick up my daughter off the ground because my back hurts. That just sounds Mm -hmm. weak. That sounds like bad. It sounds like, especially if it's me that did that, right? Um, so I put down the weights for six months and I just did physical therapy. I would still go to the strength and conditioning uh, facility and focus just physical therapy, fixing myself. And, you know, what we did one year after treatment is a, a, the clinic asked me to do an updated MRI and we came back and analyzed it. And phenomenal results. Phenomenal results. Nice. The herniated discs were no longer visible actually had fluid back in the discs which is hard to do the compressed discs were gone no sign of compressed disc canal stenosis was gone no no sign of canal stenosis there was some inflammation but that's kind of something that's going to stick around a little bit longer so yeah phenomenal results and uh, you know i even fed the that that post results back into a chiropractor i was working with on the physical therapy route and she said this is phenomenal you never even hear of canal stenosis being cured within the U S medical system. Right. Um, so it's just been a phenomenal experience and I've learned much more about recovery and taking care of your body or my body in this case, than I would have outside of this.
0: And that's something I'm going to research a little bit more into myself as well. Cause a lot of times I feel like we're so eager to right now in my life, get out there and be physical, make sure I have a good, healthy body, But you also got to do it in a smart and justified way where 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're not going to be feeling it. So I think that's something we all got to dive into a little bit more in our lives, figure out what are your limits, um, try and push a little bit above them and just keep growing and growing and growing. But don't push to the point where in 20 years from now, you're going to be feeling this pain. But hey, props off to you, Eric, props off to the doctors who were able to do that. I definitely think God's hand was... Kind of helping them as they were performing that procedure on you and uh, in your entire recovery. So that's awesome. But Eric, as we're wrapping up here on today's episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, man, I got to ask. When I finish up an interview on this show, I always invite my guests to share one piece of advice. If the entire world could hear you in this moment, what piece of advice would you share with them and why would that be?
1: Build the best version of yourself, work on you, and present that person to the world. Right. And if that's through self-development, use fitness as, as a foundation, because fitness is going to push you down the track of some sort of discipline. And, you know, think of food as a, as a, as an energy source, right? You know, it's good to have fun with it, but, you know, build the best version of you and, you know, that's your core pillar.
0: And guys, everyone who's listening on their preferred streaming platform today, thank you so much. I would appreciate it if you go give us a five-star review so I can continue to grow the show. Likewise, if you heard anything in today's episode that you think a friend, a family member, a colleague, or anyone else inside of your life would benefit from hearing, make sure to go share it with them that you guys are my best form of marketing. That's how I continue to grow the show. And just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and continue working on yourself. See you next time.